0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Acts Like Family Feels Like Home, it might be one of the last opportunities that we actually get to speak on this in the year. And so uh, I just really want to um, just bring it to us this morning and submit it to us uh, from the Word of God. Um, I've just heard so many great testimonies like Marie, like Andrew said, she was on the phone yesterday and just saying Bron the church has been incredible with us and she mentioned that Dan had rung and prayed and Pastor Mike and Pastor Christelle had gone up and prayed and and lots of people had contacted them and prayed and and she said just the feeling of family um, is amazing And, and I've heard that pretty regularly across the year which has been great in a year of acts like family feels like home And uh, I can remember three times in my life where the church showed up in ways that were just astounding. One was um, when Lockie had bronchiolitis when he was little. Uh, My connect group actually, um, they just showed up in all sorts of ways, just these... Parent, mothers of young children themselves with lots going on just showed up for us onto our doorstep. The broader church didn't really know, so they didn't do much. Thanks a lot, Dave and Brenda. But um, <laughs> our connect group was just there, or my connect group was just there. And Daz is like, he wasn't in a connect at that time. And he was like, oh, wow, I need to get in a connect. This is amazing. And, uh, and, and another time was when our house burnt down and all of you just were incredible with us. And then the most recent events, obviously, just incredibly there with us. And we just felt so loved and and, um, protected. We're so grateful for that. Uh, But I want to submit to you um, this morning, and you even know this, that that's not always the case. And uh, actually, I, my brain kind of goes, when, something, when, when we want to achieve something, my brain goes to, well, why isn't it happening? And that's why at the start of the year, we looked at hurry and we looked at busy and we looked at overwhelmed and we looked at stress because I was like, I think that we all want naturally to be a church that acts like family and feels like home, but sometimes we can't get out of our own way to get there. And so we sometimes, you know, we're just too hurried or whatever. And if you engage in that spiritual growth campaign at the start of the year, you might be like me got rid of all your apps, simplified, whittled it all down and then a couple of months later you just started to add all your apps back. Um, but now I'm aware of it, I'm at least aware of it, I'm a step ahead of where I was. But uh, what I want to speak on today is I believe another barrier, because I think sometimes the practical stuff is really much easier to do than the personal stuff, than the personable stuff, the person-to-person stuff. And um, this message really arose from I was speaking to a lady at church and she doesn't come here, but she had just visited for a certain event for a day and we were talking and, and, um, and she was saying, oh Brian, I, you know, she was saying, listing all the things that she loves about this church and she said, I just haven't been able to crack it socially. And I said, oh, what do you mean by that? And she said, well, sometimes, well, every time someone says acts like family feels like home, I feel like a pain in my heart because I think there must be something wrong with me because I've not been able to feel like that. She said, "I tried to connect group, and um, and and, or I asked to be on a connect group, and no one got back to me. And, and then someone invited me along to theirs, and I went once, but then no one got back to me about that." and and then I, I couldn't I don't there was a third time and I can't even remember what it was I was dying as she was talking and she said I think there must be something wrong with me I'm like there is nothing wrong with you I'm so sorry like that's us we've that's on us that's nothing to do with you and uh, and she said oh I don't know like everyone seems friends and I'm like no no you don't know sometimes I'm in the foyer by myself and I don't know who to talk to and and and, and you I, like just give me a nod if you felt this if you yeah okay cool great and so like, let's lean into the tension of that this morning because we could say acts like family feels like home for the rest of the year and never get to this place where the uncomfortableness just rips at us a little bit so that we can look at some of the reasons that this might not be the case. Um, and so um, let's, like, what I'd really love to say at first, because maybe you're someone who's going, oh, thank you for making me feel validated, Brian. Like, I'm, I'm like that too. And, and I would say, well, what are we going to do about it? And you'd say, I'd say to you, what are you gonna do about it? And you'd say, no, 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 I'm one of the awkward people that feels like this. So I don't have to, it's on everyone else to. And I'm like, no, we all need to do this. Like, in order for this to get done, we need to all engage. And maybe you're not at a place where you can engage, and that is totally fine. But I wanna encourage you to be a person who will engage in acts like family feels like home. I, everyone flips out when I tell them that I'm introverted they're like you do not give off introverted vibes whatsoever <laughs> I tell you I am It's stop shaking your head I'm it's real um and uh but I, I totally am and I remember I used we used to go to Easter conventions and you know it probably was the same they seemed ginormous at the time but they're probably the same size as our 10 o'clock service and we would there'd be a bunch of people there and I would I was a teenager. I just would, I'd be like, Mum, Dad, please leave, please leave. I hate this. I don't want to be here. Just felt so awkward after church. I loved the services, but so awkward after church. Now I was in the popular group at school. My kids call it the mean girls group, and but I was not mean. <laughs> I was, but I was in that group, and and but my sister, she was in the dork group. Like she was had like three friends, and they were all really awkward don't podcast this, <laughs> um, but but she at the Easter convention, she would be talking to everybody and I would be in this corner so awkward and I said to her, Jill, how do you do that? How do you just go and talk to people? And she said, oh, easy, I just find someone on their own and I go and start a conversation with them. Like, okay, well, if you're a dork and I'm super popular, <laughs> then surely I can do this. And so I did big, deep breaths And just go and talk to someone on their own and it didn't matter if they were 80, it didn't matter if they were 5, I would engage in conversation with them and it was hard. (laughs) And gradually it got easier Uh, and sometimes it's still hard depending on the day (laughs) and sometimes I come into the foyer and I'm like, oh, what's going on? Can, um, oh, I've got to see much to my children. Children, you need me, don't you? You thought it was you. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> okay. So, But what we want people to do, we want to make it to the lounge room, right? Like as a church. Like if people are in the foyer and, and you know, I, I'm, this is a metaphor now. In our house, as a church, as a house of God, we want to help people make it to the lounge room. We don't want to just be in the foyer. We don't want to just be in the kitchen when we slap up a quick meal, Maybe it's a milkshake message this morning. Maybe it's a steak and veg, whatever it might be. Not just the kitchen. We want to make it to the table. We want to make it to the lounge room and sit around the table together. Uh, You know what we don't want? We don't want to make it to the media room where we all come and sit side by side and look at the screen or the the front, but we don't actually engage and turn our chairs towards each other. That's why this service is so cool. Although I do notice, Sandy and Dave, that you are sitting side by side, but that's fine. (laughs) Um, so we want to look at acts like family feels like home, what really matters. So I just want to give us a, that maybe something that, that throws us off from acting like family feels like home. I want to give it to us this morning and, and, uh, and, and let's see how we go. Philippians chapter one, verse nine. It says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. I love that. I love that He produces it because I've got Buckleys. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. So Lord, would you help us this morning to discern what really matters? In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. If you've got a notebook this morning or or your phone, uh, and and if you didn't bring a notebook, can you just grab it out? Because I'm going to ask you to do something at the end that needs some kind of note-taking ability, whether you email yourself or you text yourself or or write it in your notes or whatever. Um, Just put it on the the do not disturb though for now because we're in church and Jesus is worthy of your attention. Or as Daz would say, the little moony thing. Put it on the little moon. Um, (laughs) And that's when the kids call him a boomer. But boomers are awesome, so it doesn't matter. Okay, first question for you right now. First question, who or what has got your attention? Who or what right now, not like not right now, but as a rule, who's got your attention? What's on your mind a lot at the moment? And can you just go ahead and write that down? What's got your attention right now? Potentially a stressful situation, potentially an awkward relationship, whatever it might be. And then just go ahead and put your phone down and, and we'll come back to it at the end. So Paul prays, he wants their love to abound, to overflow more and more. He also says there, and it's probably talking about that as well, that, you, that their knowledge and understanding would overflow more and more. But he puts love first for a reason because in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, he says, knowledge puffs up while love builds up. If it's just knowledge, if it's just understanding, that puffs you up. But with love, it builds up. The NLT says, "But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. So it has to start with love, and that's why Paul is asking that their love abounds and overflows more and more. In 1 Corinthians 13, he says to them, "I'll show you a most excellent way." And he says that you can have all the spiritual gifts that you want, all the manifestations that you want, but if you don't have love, you're like a clanging symbol. He says that you can have all the knowledge. But if you haven't got love, then you aren't. He says, he's talking about himself. If I don't have love, I am nothing. So he's saying I can be the smartest person in the room. But if I don't have love, I am nothing. And so he says to all of us, pursue love. Pursue love. So how do we get there? How do we get there? 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. We love because He first loved us. It stands to reason that if we want to abound in love, like Paul is praying for us, that we would first abide in love. That we, if we're going to overflow in love more and more, we need to abide in God's love first and sit under God's love to be able to overflow it into others. If it's just up to me to have love, it is a, a finite resource. It will run out. My friend does say to me, he said, Bron, that's easy for you. You just love everybody. And and it's not easy. <laughs> I have to make choices as well. Uh, but you might say, like, oh, I don't, I don't really, not nah, not into it. Don't really love people. We're not given that option, church. We're not given that option. If Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. It, this is just a verse that I've been camped in for a couple of months now. It says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep in, into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. So there we there's a element that we need to wrap our brains around. But then it says, may you experience the love of Christ because it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So if we are to abound in love, we need to abide in love and we need to get our heads around God's love, but there's gonna gonna come a time where we can't anymore. So then we need to experience God's love. That's why you you might've felt the second song was fluffy. I love that song. Oh, how he loves us, how he loves us. That is abiding in God's love. And the hope is that we would experience God's love as we sing of it. But as we sing, my kids hate it when the words are, heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. They're like, do not put those words up. They were singing unforeseen kiss. No one wants a sloppy wet kiss from anyone, let alone God. Um, but but I, like heaven meets earth, like a sloppy wet kiss, like let's embrace it gross it's a bit gross okay so let me so experiencing the love of God but sometimes that's not taking up real estate in our brain or our heart what is taking up real estate in your brain what is taking up real estate in your anxiety in your stress and I want to ask the question in five years will that matter what you wrote down in five years will that matter maybe it will but will it will it matter uh, often what you've written down, maybe not you, maybe you've got a stressful situation, but often it somehow involves relational matters. It might um, have be attached to a person. You might have said, oh, this situation at work, but really it's a, attached to a person. It's the same as when we say, well, the church hurt me. Well, actually, no, it was a person that hurt you in the church. And, and so it's good to, to name it and to understand it. And, and so often it's relational matters. And you might go, well, no, relational matters don't even touch me because I don't care about people. And if if that was the case, I would do this to you right now. Who hurt you? (laughs) Who hurt you? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Say tongue in cheek. I was in um, Sydney, and and it was when Bella had just moved to Sydney, and Daz and I were staying. In a motel And it had housekeeping Like anytime there's housekeeping I'm just like Thank you Jesus And um, and so Bella came and stayed with us Because um, she could And and the next morning uh, I'd gone out And I'd come back And Bella was still in bed In the lounge room And I was like Bella get up The housekeepers are on our floor Get up And she's like Mom, I need to rest I said get up right now The housekeepers are coming And she got up and said Who heard you mum Who heard you <laughs> and, um, But I say it tongue in but often it is because we've been hurt we close ourselves off to relationships we close ourselves off because we've been hurt but we don't we're not given that as an option in 1 John 4 8 and 20 it says those who do not love do not know God because God is love if we don't know people if we don't love people we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see you might be thinking, I can't help how I feel well, let's commit it to God and let's get in his love today because we love because he first loved us. So, how do we be family in our hearts when we are hurt people? Because we are, we're hurt people. Proverbs 423 says, As Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. If our hearts are hurt, how do we act like family in our hearts? Paul gives us some tips today. Number one is start with thanksgiving I'm going to go to the top of the passage that we read before start with thanksgiving Philippians chapter 1 verse 3 every time I think of you I give thanks to my God every time I think of you I give thanks to my God and I just want to ask you the question if what you wrote down was attached to a person when was the last time you gave thanks for that person Perhaps for Paul, what started as a choice is now second nature. Every time I think of you, I give thanks. I want to make a choice that leads to a habit after six weeks of that every time it's just a trigger to give thanks. That I'm not thinking of someone and wondering how they are. But as soon as I think of them, I give thanks. Imagine that. Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. And, And this is a secret to keeping his heart. To not just act like family, but to be family. Uh, and you know, it's fine to give thanks when things are well. But Paul's in prison. It's 62 AD. He's already written a letter to the Corinthians. His first letter to the Corinthians. And had to deal with incest. And had to deal with the crazy things that they were doing. He's written, already written his second letter. Where they were taking sides against him. And people were moving against him. He's already written to the Galatians. Where they've thrown off grace for works. He's had all these troubles already with the church and yet in Philippians he's able to say every time I think of you I give thanks to my God and that's reflected in his letters to no matter who they are. He's not got rose-coloured glasses on, he's getting hurt, he's getting um, offended or could potentially be but he says I keep my heart because every time I think of you I give thanks to my God. Number one, start with thanksgiving. Number two, reframe the narrative. Reframe the narrative. Has anyone done this? You get a bit of an inkling about someone, and then you get a bit of a filter on everything they do. And then everything they do from there builds the case to back up the inkling that you had to start with about them. Yes, people are smiling. You know what I'm talking about. I I, I do this a lot. But we're, we're encouraged to reframe the narrative. I would suggest one, number one, we reframe in prayer, and number two, Just go to them and ask them. Hey, this is what my head's saying about our interactions. Can we can can we clear this up? Like, have you got anything to say about that? And and it just disarms it immediately. So Philippians chapter one verse four. Just continuing on with Paul's letter, he says, "Um, whenever I think of you, I give thanks. And then he says, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. If we start with thanksgiving, we'll end up in joy for that person, rather than suspicion about that person or wondering if they've got an agenda or anything else. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. Gratitude turns to joy. Pray for people. So we go from thanking God for them to praying for them. If you know of a need they have, pray that God will meet it. If you've got the means, you meet it. If you know of a fear that they've got, pray that God would steal it. If you know of a, 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 a dream that they've got, pray that God would fulfill it. And pray for that person. And what you'll find is that your heart begins to shift towards in that relational space. It says, you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the first time you heard it until now. So this is Paul. He's reminding himself of the good things that they've done. And he says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. You might be thinking, well, Bron, these sound like great people that he's writing to. It's after this passage that he says that some of them are preaching out of selfish ambition and are making it harder for him in his chains, in his imprisonment. And he says that some preach it out of impure motives and some out of pure motives. And he says, but that doesn't matter. So if we're talking about that we want more love so that we can focus on what really matters, Paul says people preaching out of selfish ambition for their own good and making it harder for me, that doesn't matter as long as Christ is preached. He begins to reframe the narrative around how he's thinking about people, and and he says here, God's doing a work. God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work. He's reminding himself that he's not responsible for their actions. He doesn't need to control their actions. God is going to complete the good work. How good's that? That's a, that's the best if you've got children as well, right? you're like, God, you started it. (laughs) And so you finish it, please. Please finish it. It's not looking like it's getting very far, the criminals. (laughs) Um, And number three, let love flow. Let love flow. It's for some of us, where we are right right now, we've got to let love leak. (laughs) We've just got to drill, drill a little hole in the damn wall that we've built up and we've got to let love leak out. But if we keep abiding in God's love, the pressure of God's love will force a crack through that little hole and that leak will become a spout and that spout will become a waterfall and it will flow and flow and flow, God's love through us. Verse 7 of this passage, Paul speaking. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favour of God, both in my imprisonment And in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. The Philippian church was a church, which means it was full of people, which means it was full of personalities, which means that not everyone was just easy breezy. It would have been difficult. But Paul has decided he's going to give thanks for them. He's decided he's going to pray for them and make requests for them with joy. He's decided that he's going to reframe any narrative around them and he is going to let love flow. And here he is letting love flow. And he wants their love to flow. And says again, I'll read it again. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Christ Jesus, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. So we're going to practice this in just a moment. I want to just tell you something that happened um, with my dad. So um, my dad is a, he's like, if you were to say like high on relational matters, dad's not that. And um, he's, he's, like he loves people in his own very awesome way. Um, so he he's a farmer. He always had to be on the farm. So he didn't spend much time coming up here. He didn't spend much time getting to know my kids, which are his grandkids. And, um, you know, every parent's bias. My kids are literally the best in the world. And anyone who doesn't want to know them is mad. Um, so I felt like maybe dad was mad. Um, <laughs> because he would come and he would, he'd probably be absolutely wrecked from all his farm work. He'd sit and he wouldn't engage particularly, and then he would go home. And after one of these visits, um, I was in my 20s, so please have grace for me. I was just furious with my dad. I was absolutely furious, and I sent him this email, just like, Dad, you know, you're you're terrible with the kids. Um, you don't love them. You don't show any love for them. You're not engaging with them at all. Um, it looks like you don't care about them. You know what? They're not missing out because Daz's a stepdad. He's great. He's a great grandfather and he engages with them and he loves them. And so you know what? You're missing out because they're the best kids in the world. By Bron. Um, and he didn't respond to that email ever. And, uh, and so then I was at state conference and, and my mum and dad were there and I saw them go out the front and they were both in tears. And God spoke to my heart. And he said, Bron, you've just told um, him everything that's wrong with him. Now tell him everything that's right with him. And so I sat down and I wrote a letter and and there was so much to say because my dad is amazing. He he He's my stepdad. He took us on. I never felt like he was my stepdad. I felt like he was my real dad. He, he, he looked after us. He gave me a love for the word which has set the trajectory of my life. He disciplined me, which when, you know, I saw other people who hadn't been disciplined <laughs> I was grateful and I said to him dad I discipline my kids the way that you disciplined me just thing after thing of just wonderful things that he's done in my life and 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 then I went at the end of the service and handed him the letter and then the next day I went up to him and kind of stood and said hey dad and you know I was waiting for him to just turn around and embrace me and he said he was talking to someone he said just wait <laughs> okay and so I stood there and uh, and then he turned to me and said oh Brian um out your letter I read it and I cried and cried and then I showed it to mum and she cried and cried thank you <laughs> I was like, awesome <laughs> and that, tell you what that letter broke something I've never thought about dad in the same way every time I think of dad I give thanks for him he he hasn't changed relationally he I don't know if he ever will it doesn't matter he he relates the way he relates But I think every time I think of him, I give thanks for him. I sent him another email on Father's Day and and told him more of the same things because it's been about 15 years since I wrote the last one. He didn't respond. I I rang him and said, Dad, did you get the email? Did I write the wrong email address? He's like, yeah, I got it. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) But something's changed in me and that's where it needs to change. And so today we're going to practice. We're going to take a moment. Daryl, can you come in? I'm calling for the harpist. Can you come and play some keys? And I'd love us to intentionally dwell in God's love for a moment. Just like, you love me, Lord. You love me. And then, oh no, I'll guide us through. It's on the screen, but I'm going to guide us through anyway. So let's just take a moment. Daryl's going to play. Let's just, let's just sit and engage in God's love. If, if you need a reminder, just think of what um, David Moore just brought around communion. All the that was costly. The remission of sins was costly. The reversal of sin in your life was costly. That's how much God loves you. So let's just sit. Let's close our eyes. Let's sit in God's love for a moment. You love me, Lord. would you give us some understanding of your love? Would you help us to understand it more fully? But Lord, we also pray this morning that we would experience your love. Now that we've abided in God's love, abode, Let's start with Thanksgiving, that situation that you've got right there, either to God or well, yeah, to God. Start to give thanks for things about it that are worthy of gratitude. Grab out your pen, grab out your paper, grab out your phone, take it off don't take it off, do not disturb, and just start to type out things that you're thankful for, that you're grateful for about that situation, that person, if it if that's the case. Now as you begin to make requests for them, Start to reframe the narrative. Start to pray blessing on the situation, the person, the people. Pray blessing on them. Allow your heart to just feel a bit of joy, like a bit of excitement that God might bless them, that God might purpose them. Let the, any bitterness turn into joy this morning. Now let's just let love flow for them. As much as you've loved me, God. I love them, Lord. I want to pour my love into them. I want to love them with forgiveness, with grace. Lord, give me wisdom around the situation. Help me to only engage where you want me to engage. But Lord, don't let me have any hang-ups. Let love flow. Let love flow this morning. I Pray that your love will overflow more and more. That you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Amen. Hey again. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.